So we're talking about covenant this morning, and it's, an, it's a very interesting word that we're going to compare and contrast a little bit. Uh, there's a difference between a covenant and a contract, is there not? Yes. A contract is a, a legal document that binds you to something, but does covenant, is that a legal document that binds you? No, it's, it's something that's felt in the heart. It's something that passes between people uh, out of love. Uh, there's a couple of other C words that I want to mention this morning. The difference between a consumer and a citizen. So many people in our society have, I think, started to think of their place in society as simply that of consumers of goods. And we've got all sorts of mail order catalogs, and we can do it online. And we think about these transactional relationships with each other. But to be a citizen of a community is far more responsibility and enjoyment than just being a consumer of what the town has to offer, correct? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if one person is oppressed, then we all are. So we're framing a little bit something about the word covenant this morning, and I want to talk to you about it through the use of two or three stories. And the Chihuahua folk, you'll have to forgive me because you've heard these before. But they're the best I've got, so I'm going to go ahead. My grandmother was a sayer of pithy sayings. I learned so much at my grandmother's uh, feet and by watching her hands. But I never will forget things that she said in relationship to my grandfather. I was there on election day one year. I'm not sure how I was there on election day one year when I was a very small boy and my grandfather left like he always did and he went off to the polling place to vote and then grandmother put on her coat after he left and went out as well. And I said, where are you going, grandmother? And she said, I'm going to cancel out your grandfather's vote. <laughs> she thought for herself. Another time, my grandfather asked my grandmother to do a thing and she said, sure, I'll take care of that today, Sanford. And then out the door he went. And then she told me to put on my coat and we headed off in the exact opposite direction to do other things. And I said to Grandmother, aren't we going to go and do that? And she said, with a wink, sometimes, sugar boy, it's better to be sneaky than it is to be righteous. <laughs> my grandparents had a way of teasing with each other. There was a roominess in their relationship that was born out of a deep love for each other. They suffered many tragedies, uh, the death of a child when they were young, but they were together for 52 years and there was this deep loving bond between them. My grandmother was a heck of a biscuit maker. She was good. And I remember being in the A&P store with her one day and thinking I was reaching for the right flour to do the biscuits with, and she just looked at me and she said, won't rise, won't, won't rise, you don't want that. And so she got a different type of flour because she liked cat head biscuits. You know those biscuits that are so high it looks like it's a cat head on top? That's what we called them in the South. You, you, can't, you can't imagine that I'm Southern, can you? Anyway, that's right. So I never did forget that about not rising. And you notice this morning, uh, I've talked about baking powder and yeast a little bit and about things rising. And so the story that I want to use to tie all this together came from a trip that I went on in high school called the Young Life Bike Challenge. And it was four, 440 high school, no, excuse me, 200 high school kids going 440 miles on the Blue Ridge Parkway in two and a half weeks. 
And we did it in riding groups of 12. And remember, this was 1976, so we did it without helmets. And nobody got hurt. It was just an amazing thing. And because we had so many people, space was at a premium, and so everybody had just one tiny little duffel bag to take on the trip. And one of the ways to conserve space was to use Dr. Bronner's concentrated peppermint soap. Does everybody here know what Dr. Bronner's is? Well, you can buy it up here in all sorts of places. REI is one of them. But it's actually the most concentrated soap I've ever seen. And it's got this tingly peppermint feel to it. And so you could squeeze out the amount in your hand of the size of a quarter to wash your car. It rained every day on this bike challenge. And I was with three of my buddies, and we had these shower stalls that we would come to big campgrounds like this or and places where people could gather, and we would put up the shower stall every night for all 200 people to run through and take a shower. But somebody lost those pegs that held it together. And so we were forced to bathe in creeks and rivers, right? So I never will forget, we got to the Linville River Gorge and we scouted out this place in the river that we wanted to take a bath and we got there and there were four girls that had already beat us to it and they were buck naked and they screamed and we said, shut your eyes, you'll never know we're here. <laughs> but they did not go for that. And so we went up the river where the bank was muddy and steep. And I remember my friend Mike Robinson laying out all his new clothes on a set of roots with his underwear right on top. And he grabbed up, and now I'm doing competition with a helicopter. He grabbed up his Dr. Bronner's peppermint soap, and as he was just starting to go down that muddy bank, he slipped, and I can remember him squeezing down on that bottle as he reached out for those roots where his clothes were. And I didn't think much about it. But what Mike had done is he had shot a month's worth of Dr. Bronner's into his shorts. And the sun baked those things dry. And the next day, we're coming down the backside of Mount Pisgah when it started to rain. And all of a sudden, suds, clumps of suds the size of grapefruits are whizzing by our heads, left and right. And we got the pictures to prove it. If you ride for two and a half weeks on bicycles with the same people, um, you get to be very close. And the leaders told us, they said, before we start, it doesn't matter what, what kind of a good athlete you are, everybody's going to have a day where you're going to have to walk this bike and where you're not going to make it up the mountain. And so we had one covenant on the bike challenge. And what do you suppose it was? Hmm? Leave no one behind. Our version was if one walks, everybody walks. Jim and I have been trying to talk about what would it be like for our two congregations to join hands in such a way that we not only fellowship together, but that we slowly develop this covenant of love between our two congregations that might help us to identify those people in our community who are in trouble and who are, they're off their bikes and they're walking and they've actually put the bike in the ditch because they just can't make it anymore. That one covenantal rule, if one walks, everybody walks, is what knitted together those, two, those 200 people in ways that I can't even to this day 
completely articulate. Covenant is something that draws us together by love. It is not a contract, but it is a heartfelt bargain of love. Jim? Thank you, Pastor Steve. I appreciate um, the southern perspective. I've come to bring you the northern perspective. <laughs> we'll see if it's any different. I don't know. Um, as I was looking at these scriptures this week, I was I kept coming back to the Jeremiah reading. The days are surely com- coming. The days are surely coming. God says, the Lord says, when I will make a new covenant. I started wondering if that was just way back then. Or if maybe this God who has made a covenant with us is still coming and is still calling us in to a new covenant. Covenant is about relationships and what we do with the relationships. From God's point of view, God unconditionally loves us, never abandons us, never sees us hopeless, as we might see ourselves. Um, And as we learn to live in covenant, whether it's between our two churches or wherever, it's learning to focus on those relationships and have those relationships flow in the image of God's relationship with us. And I think over time, the shape and the texture of what covenant looks like as God calls us into new covenant will look different than it might have looked in Jeremiah's time or in Jesus' time as we have in that other reading about the covenant at the table. Um, It will have a different shape and texture but at the core it's the same kind of relationship as as I think about those relationships, I need to share with you that every time I think about covenant these days, I feel a real pain. And I don't know what to do about it. And the pain has to do, I don't know how many of you are aware, but but in this region, we've lost two churches in the United Church of Christ in the last couple of years. We lost the Deer Park Church. Not quite in our county, but close, right? Um, they had a loving, caring pastor for a long time and many years. But somehow we weren't or they weren't doing the work of that, what it meant to be in a covenant relationship in the broader United Church of Christ. So this pastor leaves and within months, without controversy, they leave the United Church of Christ. And we didn't get a chance to even have conversations with them. It's even more painful because of the way it happened when it happened in Narcini Church. Because there, it turns out, someone, a pastor, and this is why I get really mad, decided he wanted to take the church away from the United Church of Christ. And didn't want to have conversations beyond his church about that. And they are now gone too. Part of covenant is feeling the, in my mind, is feeling the pain of what happens in broken relationships. And it's looking at 
what happened there, but it's also looking at what happened with us. Were we aware of it? Did we try to do anything relationally in that covenant? Did we leave it to others? So this covenant thing, especially in the church context, has become a very, very personal thing to me in the last couple of years. You know, our churches um, have history. What year was uh, Trevilla Church founded? 150 years ago. 150 years ago? Wow. Okay. I was going to say, because that makes you older than... It's like one of the first churches in, in the area. Cushing Elms. Right. Yeah. right. Well, Cushing Elms had a lot to do with our church as well. We're 1890. Um, I'm not sure exactly what... I'd like to find that out, exactly what year yours was uh, founded. But there's, there's a lot of history. But you know, there was a time before that, here in this land, and here in this area. What was covenant like then? There was a time when there were no white folks here, right? In this area. In our church, we have a, a little window that says the first... Uh, has Cushing's name in there. Uh, the first Christian worship service in the Colville Valley was 1838. 1838. Now it was a few years after that before there was a church, but that was the first Christian worship service in 1838. And how did that even happen? It happened because missionaries were sent out here, believing it was part of their, their missional calling as followers of Jesus Christ to come out here not only because people were moving west and there needed to be an opportunity for the people who came from the east to continue to learn to live in covenant relationship with one another, but also, as I learned about the indigenous peoples of these lands, a mission that they would learn about Jesus Christ. And those of us who've studied the history, I'm sure many of you have, know that there was a lot of mistakes made in that process. And there's always mistakes made when we try, from our limited perspective, to, to reach out and live the covenant faithfully. But we do need to own those. We need to own what happens there. But now, as we learn from the history of this area, we look forward. The days are surely coming, our God says. The days are surely coming when there will be a new covenant. And I begin to image Colville Valley. If the days are surely coming, coming for a new covenant, for a united Church of Christ presence in Colville Valley, what does that need to look like? When we study the history of this land, we see from century to century it didn't look like it did before. There wasn't even a UCC presence for a long time. Right? We can't expect the future and the call to the new covenant from our God to look like our past. We can learn from our past. But what will it look like in the future? Does it always need to look like churches with buildings and pastors 
And then we come together once in a while across our churches or go to an annual meeting in the conference? Or is there another way that God is calling us to be in relationship? Juwila, Colville, and all the pockets of people around this valley who maybe we don't even know it to this day at this moment. How do we open our minds? How do we open our hearts to the calling of a new covenant, of a new way of building relationships, a new way of being? Can we imagine that other way? And that's what I'm hoping we can do a little bit of today, is imagine a new, another way. Because I think for a United Church of Christ presence in Caldwell Valley, it is going to begin with us, is it not? I don't want us to end up where Deer Park ended up. I don't want us to end up where Cheney ended up. I want us to strengthen our relationship, strengthen our commitment, strengthen our understanding of God's covenant and an understanding of what those days that are surely coming might look like. So at our annual meeting for the conference back in April, right, um, they did something new and different, at least my experience with annual meetings. They, uh, they talked to us how we need to learn to have relational meetings with each other and conversations with each other where we really listen and strengthen our connection one with another. And so since that time, we've been experimenting in our church with uh, what we call a pairing and sharing time. And what we do in the pairing and sharing time is we, uh, we break up into twos for a few minutes and we have a conversation on a question or two. Um, and, and the answer is not really important. What's really important is to strengthen our relationships with one another. So we know each other on more levels, have deeper understandings, see where the insights come from each other, um, see what we're afraid of together, see what we have to rejoice in together. Um, we've had many of these conversations in the last few months, and we want to try to do that today. Um, and what we want to try to do is have you, Jawila uh, person, pair up and find somebody who's from the Caldwell Church. All right? And we're going to try to get as many Chuila Caldwell. I know we don't have exact numbers for both. Your Chuila is a much bigger church. Um, but try to get as many of those pairings as we possibly can. Um, and then, uh, what we'd like you to do is uh, just spend a few minutes in conversation um, and hopefully discuss what's listed here in your bulletin. And that's why you have these cards with hopefully a writing instrument. If you don't have one, um, Please raise your hand and we will try to get one to you. I don't know where all the cards went at this point, but whether they're well passed out. But if you need one, raise your hand if you need a card or a pencil. You'll, you'll need at least one for each pairing. Because what we're going to ask you to do is to make a list on that card between the two of you of ideas that you might have of ways that we can strengthen our covenant relationship between our two churches. How can we build a stronger relationship so that we really care when each other is hurting, when we really rejoice when each other has something to rejoice about, when we really have gotten to know each other a little more and therefore out of that can imagine possibilities we never could have imagined before. So I invite you, you can go sit under a tree or whatever, but find somebody to pair with for a few minutes. Um, and. Uh, 
if in the end you're the odd person out from up here and I'll sit down with you. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see our two churches work towards writing a written covenant, relational covenant between each other about what it is we can do to strengthen our relationship, what it is we can do uh, in our calling in the United Church of Christ um, to strengthen our relationships broader with people in the whole Caldwell Valley. Um, Whatever. Uh, but I'd like to see us get some work done to put that in written form. So we'll see whether that happens or not, and we'll see whether all the many ideas, we'll, uh, we'll collect them all, we'll make sure that there's a list for each church, and then we'll begin that conversation about what we can do with, with the list of all your great ideas. So just remember to put it in the offering when it comes by. Um, <laughs>